We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Seahawks Man to Man is presented by OfficialK9.com, the official store of Kenneth Walker III. His store combines the power of Web 2 and Web 3 to allow for fans to purchase new merch drops, digital collectibles, and enter exclusive giveaways. Make sure and peep OfficialK9.com to see all the newest merchandise from Kenneth Walker III and use code Seahawks for 10% off at checkout. Again, use code Seahawks on OfficialK9.com for 10% off Kenneth Walker III's official gear at checkout. Check out the podcast description for more details. Welcome to the Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host. Uh, I won't say his name. I'll let him do that. Because when you wear those type of glasses that he's got on, he gets to introduce himself. Uh, you guys can follow me on the, tw- on the tweet machine, at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Shout out to Elon Musk. I'm still verified on there without having to pay. Feels great. Uh, shout out to all our YouTube uh, viewers. Seahawks Man-to-Man on YouTube is the channel. That's man, the number two man. Uh, on YouTube, uh, Chris, my sunglass wearing brother, talk to him. Yeah, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy Christopher Kid. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that is CKID206. All right, regular season finale, it is here. The Seahawks are going to host the Rams on Sunday, and our number one podcast guest is on the line with us. She, of course, covers the Rams for the athletic. Jordan Rodriguez on the line. Hey. And he's got glasses <laughs> on too. Oh, that is dope. Oh, she must have read our minds. This is amazing. I've got glasses and a glass. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, behind the scenes. I had I to do that, guys. I, I was like, oh, I'm going to do it while I'm off stage here and surprise them. <laughs> that was yeah. perfect. Are Matt Barrows too? doesn't do that stuff. I bet <laughs> you. Matt <laughs> Barrows, man. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I have I have my uh, my fake reading glasses on to annoy Chris. Sick. Uh, because I, I am not visually challenged. This I have a problem. I cannot. I cannot see. They're looking I have cloudy there, gla- Mike. They're looking a little like uh, they gotta hit a little bit of the polish there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here we go. I go with I go with these uh, instead. There we go. Uh, yeah, that, this is the sunglasses. I feel bad for everybody who's just listening on audio, man. You got to get <laughs> YouTube, man. We look very, very fly today. We all look Honestly. so good, guys. <laughs> very fly yeah. on the Seahawks uh, man-to-man podcast. I can't do this. <laughs> 
I'm gonna do it the whole show. Watch. I'm gonna see how long I can last because I'm not gonna lie, these aren't clean either, so I can't really see out the right side <laughs> too well. And I got this bright ass ring light uh, behind me as well, so this could this could be a struggle. Uh, but Jordan, welcome back to the show, our number one podcast guest. How are you? How are things in Ramsland? Oh, uh, you know, about the same chaotic, messy, uh, existentially hurling toward the edge of a cliff. Um, other than that, pretty good though, you know. Existentially <laughs> hurling towards it. That might be the uh, could, could fit all of that in the title of the show. Probably. <laughs> wow, that that that's a lot. Uh, yeah, the Rams are not doing great, but you're covering Baker now. That's that's got to be interesting, right? Little, new little storyline in there. New storyline, right? And what was it? Week 14, brand new storyline. Mm-hmm. It's very rare when that happens. I mean, the Rams did it last year, but for um, obviously positive reasons when they brought in uh, Eric Weddle in a very different context um, of what they're trying to accomplish. And then Brought in Baker Mayfield, got to cover a really fun Thursday night football comeback win, um, got to cover a really fun uh, 50 burger uh, on Christmas Day. But it's kind of, you know, they're sort of looking to find the mean with him. They're not looking at outliers. So games like that where, you know, it, it, it's very clear that it's an outlier in terms of the, the Las Vegas game. Um, you know, they're not really looking at that in terms of how they're evaluating him. They're seeking the mean. So how is he doing on a consistent basis? What is he like behind the scenes? How is he practicing? Because I can imagine like a lot of when he seeks out, you know, a new contract in free agency this spring, a lot of that is going to be most important, I think, to teams in terms of um, intel, like how does he learn? How does he prepare? How is he, um, in, you know, with the, with the coaches and, and what is he, um, able to condense in a very limited amount of time and, and process. And I think, cause you're not really going to get a full picture of what he can do on, on the football field when he's sort of dropped into this offense. And then he's also game planning at the same time as learning the playbook. So you're kind of seeking like just the, the average, the mean with him right now. Chris, you want to stay on Baker or are we going to jump to predictions first? No, we know, we know how we do it, man. We done changed things around. Let's go ahead and get game predictions because the last time these two teams faced off, the Seahawks got the win. It was a lot closer than I think everyone expected. Seahawks got the dub 27-23. But now the Seahawks are six-and-a-half-point favorites Ooh, at wow. home. Again, I know, right, against the Rams. They show That shows how much faith they have in Baker Mayfield in that defense of the Rams. Not very much, clearly. Wow. So, Jordan – to kick this thing off, who gets the W? Will the Rams cover this time? What do you got? Um, they, pro- I, I could see them covering for sure. I mean, they've covered okay. I think. I mean, you guys, I, I don't, I don't track as much uh, of it, but like, I think they've covered okay the last couple of of weeks, um, or like since the Baker uh, era, I guess began. Um, but you know, they, I, you know, I think the Seahawks will win. Like I said, the reason I'm saying that is because I have not seen proof this season that the Rams can win football games on a consistent basis, but there's a little edge to it. You know, it's Bobby Wagner's return home. You guys saw the last time he played against Seattle, just how important that was to him and how much his teammates like will go to a battle for him, regardless of the circumstances of their own season. So I think those types of things, um, that's relevant, right? That's pretty important. So I think, you know, there's going to be a little extra juice there. It's going to be a great environment. Um, the Rams are pretty much always on a silent count anyway, so I don't know that that factors in <laughs> as much. But it is going to be interesting. I, I still think that uh, Seattle wins this game. Well, give us a score. Don't be out here predicting a win and not give us a score, <laughs> Jordan. You know the drill. 
I aggressively closed my glasses. <laughs> you guys know this is my least favorite part of your fantastic. Um, yeah, so I think the Seahawks are going to win. Yeah, let's go 28-21. Because I think there's going to be a defensive score from the Rams in this game. Um, perhaps some sort of catalyst forced by Bobby. Um, we'll see how it goes. But uh, the, the last couple of weeks, they have been taking the ball away pretty good. So we'll see how we'll see how it turns out. So that would be the, that would Does be that the, cover. I don't know what the that would be the Rams not covering, and not, that would be oh. the over. So that would be Seahawks minus six and a half, and the over for our. So I really just probably got it really wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gamblers, there. Hold on, real quick, Chris, before you go, I have to ask okay. you. I, I saw this. I saw somebody tweet this, and when Jordan mentioned silent counts, now I'm curious. Were both the Rams and the Chargers using silent counts on Sunday in the game of they at their home? field so it looked like it i don't know for sure but it looked like it but the thing that's interesting i mean you guys know i mean mike you've been to sofi like it's a really loud stadium it's literally built 110 feet underground the playing surfaces so even the the reverb from what they're doing inside the stadium it's so echoey and the sides are open but it still contains noise because of the way that it's architecturally built so it doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, I think that the players, the Rams players and Sean McVay for the first time since it, that thing was built expressed their irritation uh, about having to be on a silent count, even when the crowds would look a little bit more even um, than what, you know, some social media posts would indicate. And I think that's super interesting and maybe something they think about in the future. Cause when they were hemorrhaging offensive linemen, you really, you were down to like one guy who knew the silent count cadence and he was a scout team player. So it was like, not, not good, not a good scene <laughs> to be in. So I think, um, I, I wonder if that kind of gets revisited in terms of some, some of the acoustics management this off season. Yeah, that was fascinating. So I was like, dang, both teams at home in therapy? <laughs> I think it was Mitchell Schwartz, Schwartz tweeted that. He does. Yeah, I guess. I think, yeah. I think so. He, he knows what he's talking about. So. <laughs> right. All right, Chris, you're up. I'm up. I'm going to take the Seahawks getting the dub. We're going to go 24 to 20. I think the Seahawks are going to get it done. The Rams cover. Look at that. Yeah, so that Rams cover and the over. Yeah, I think the, the Seahawks will get the win. Man, it does scare me, though. Bobby played Hercules, and they still lost. I don't know. Maybe he goes Superman. Superman's greater than Hercules, you guys would say, right? I don't know, man. I think Hercules is like a Greek god in theory. So. Superman, Superman's not even from here, and he's a god. <laughs> <laughs> he's invincible, damn near. It's just kryptonite, man. Yeah, per perhaps. Yes. So, well, I'm, if Bobby, so the thing is, it really just comes down to what, what can Bobby do? Last time the Seahawks had an opportunity to close it out, Geno marches down the field and get, beats Jalen Ramsey for a touchdown. That's ball game. It might come down to that again. Can the Rams get that fourth quarter, last two-minute drill stop? I'm going to say no. Go Geno. <laughs> well, they just haven't done that. They haven't had a two-minute. Uh, they've had a couple of really dicey two-minute situations. The great one that they did was against the Raiders again, and it gave – the Baker Mayfield led offense, which is quite a, you know, I can't believe still I'm saying that sentence because it's just what a chaotic year, like gave him a chance, you know, yep, one, one minute, that. 45 seconds. So that was that we, we thought maybe that was like the tipping point, um, tipping point in terms of the defense, putting it together in the two minute. Um, but they'd have, they've had some issues, including Gino, Tom Brady, like they, they've just had some, some problems in that regard and on, on defense. 
Yeah, All right, Gino, Mike. Geno Smith and Tom Brady, you know, the two the two minute kings. Uh, I always think I always think of them in the same breath, frankly. <laughs> uh yeah, I think, I think the Seahawks too. I'm gonna go under though. I actually I'm, I have faith in NFL defenses this year. Maybe that's just misguided. But yeah, I think 21-17. I think that's the Seahawks or the Rams covering. Uh never gamble, by the way, folks. Do not gamble. It's bad. Uh, and that is the under. The under was for uh 41 and a half, by the way. That's okay. The line on that. Yeah, I'm a big over/under guy this uh, this season. Uh, I don't hit them when I uh, allegedly bet on them, but yeah. The, anyway, uh, yeah, I'll take the Seahawks. Take the Seahawks in this only because I'm kind of rooting for just like a weird postseason or post-game scene uh, where they win the game and don't know whether their season's over. Mm. They all have to go find TVs to watch the Lions and and Packers. Yeah, and how that's gonna go? Are they gonna watch it together? Everybody just goes home. How does that go? Uh, yeah, that should be that should be kind of fun. I want that. Well, they, want... they should have like some sort of a meal set up for them and like some drinks so they can sit there and watch the the game and watch how that how their their fate turns out. Like stress balls, probably. <laughs> you know, all the all the um, maybe some gummies. You know, like just to be real mellow. <laughs> it's a weird situation the Seahawks are in, and we'll get to the, the Rams more. But it's just such a weird situation because yeah, the the game will end probably about. 4.30-ish local time. The kickoff, I think, for Lions Packers is about 5.15-ish uh, on on NBC. So you have, like, does everybody just go home? And if they do, all right, well, where do the coaches go? The coaches watch together? Because then everybody's just at home stressed because you don't know whether you're coming in to clean your locker out or you're coming in tomorrow yeah. to game plan for the Vikings. The group whatever. chat in that regard would be outstanding to be a part of. Yeah, I need to ask uh, for that Matt Barrows access. Where I, can just be I know. I was like, what can we do? What can we yeah, do? Yeah, uh, <laughs> weird situation uh, uh, coming up on Sunday. Well, let's mm-hmm. dive in a little bit into the Rams, specifically how they've looked since the Seahawks game, uh, because things have changed for them so drastically. they got a new quarterback. Their running back is uh, uh, fantastic uh, all of a sudden. It's just just a lot. But I don't think we – this is – I think, Chris, the only time we're going to get to ask a journalist maybe – Two different is the quarterback good questions in the same season? <laughs> I, I knew this was coming. I'm so excited. This is a, a, gotta be, gotta be. A, maybe we've actually, sorry, Joe, we might have done this for Barrows because his quarterback situation changes quite a bit. I think, but time. I think you've asked me three times in a calendar year because you, because there was a Matt, Matthew Stafford situation yes. still in, right? Or. Right. And oh, 2022. No, 2023 now. Dang, I need to beat Barrows. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, this is a unique one. Well, we've never asked him this. Is Baker Mayfield good? I think that he is a work in progress, but Just I don't know, Jordan. Look at I you. I don't Look mean at it me. as a but I don't mean it as a criticism. <laughs> I know I got real serious all of a sudden. <laughs> Mike almost spits out his drink. Um, I just I think he's a work in progress. I think he's he's been through a lot, and you know, as you see sometimes with, with quarterbacks, um that sticks with you and you got to find the right situation sometimes. And I think he is a quarterback who does need the right situation. That doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback. Um, I mean, look at Jared Goff. He found himself in the right situation and he Mm -hmm. is playing within that system extremely well. And they're not asking him to play outside of that system. Um, And I use that comparison because I know what one of your next questions is going to be Mike, but I think like it's, it's fascinating because um, what, what they're asking him to do it's all in tandem with the type of defensive structures they've played down the stretch. They've played um, teams largely Las Vegas aside. And again, that's a total outlier game because that was insane. 
and he was there for 40 hours before playing that game. But every single team they've played since then has a philosophical foundation out of the Fangio system. And that's that was always going to be the stretch they ended on. Um, and now under in, within that system, as we know very well, you have to be really patient. You have to be really, really excellent in taking your check downs. You have to get the run game going. You have to take little bites out of the defensive structure and be, and take essentially things that quarterbacks hate doing, um, which is the underneath concepts, the quick game, things that require them to stay very, very disciplined and, and lack aggression and almost like, um, and, and you can't make any mistakes against defenses like that because of the way that they're structured. And so that's been an interesting case study for me for Baker Mayfield, because he came into the Rams with a, he was taking those types of passes again, as defensive structures have changed over the league, he came into the league, throwing those types of passes, the five or less air yards passes, um, the check downs, the quick game. He started. He was doing that at a 10% higher rate than he ever had in his career. Um, and again, it correlates to def- the way defensive structures have changed across the league. Um, but he was throwing. He was missing throws, or he had an off-target rate of 11.5%, which was also the worst of his career. And it was 33rd out of 36 qualifying quarterbacks. Ooh, and God. so the Rams are like, all right. So we know that this is where you've struggled this year. We also know that this exact um, scheme is the way that we have to try to beat these teams down the stretch. And when he's hit those throws in, in the game against Denver, um, he had 18 of his 28 dropbacks were of five yard air yards or less. And he hit all, he was perfect. No off target throws on any of those throws. And that was really notable because that was him applying the things that they had, um, asked him to do and being very disciplined within that process. But then, you know, you go against the Chargers and again, you know, he's got nine, nine of those, uh, nine of his passes were dropbacks of that uh, variety in those parameters. And again, he had an over 11% off target rate. And then he says after the game, like he's really disappointed about that because he knows exactly that's exactly how he's being evaluated right now. So it's a really interesting case study to watch because you can see him really working to figure it out in real time, except he doesn't have a lot of time to do it. And so I think all of that context should be applied to Baker as we know him to be right now, because I think he's sort of entering this new world where he's figuring out what he needs to do, not just to be a successful quarterback, but to fit a system that is predicated on playing defenses in the way that is necessary in in the modern league. All right, Chris. So what do you think? What's the, what's the summary there? Is he good or no? <laughs> Should I say <laughs> basically you're like, wow, you could have just said yes or no. Like, I liked all of that content. It sounds like Jordan was pacing herself to say no, but then hit hedged it by saying, you know what? You'll he's never know what I think. <laughs> okay. He's doing, some, he's doing some good things. He's got some, some decent numbers. Yards per attempt stuff is okay. EPA per drop back stuff is, is okay. Not throwing a lot of touchdowns, but I mean, how many are you going to throw to, you know, what's the guy? What's number 19's name? Ben Powell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brandon Powell, Ben Scourd, Scourneck. Scourneck uh, is 18 and he's out. He's yeah. another yeah. receiver who's out. Look at that. Yeah. Yes, yet, another, uh, yet another missing starter. They're they're up to 11 missing starters, by the way. That so, is insane. The whole team. That's the whole lineup. That's a, 11, 11 guys. Wow. That's, that's, that's rough. Yeah. How many touchdowns are you going to throw to Tutu Atwell and Van and, and Brandon Powell? Probably not a ton. So, yeah, he's doing, <laughs> he's doing some okay things. One thing I did notice. When I'm watching them, when I'm watching the Rams, uh, which I did on Christmas, uh, I did against the Packers, and I watched the film of the the Chargers game. Uh, 
was, I'm seeing, I was like, dang, they're under center a lot. Let me look. I was like, oh, well, since week 14, Baker leads the league in under center rate. There you go. How almost, about that? Yeah, almost 60%. There you go. Eyes match the film. Uh, that's of, of quarterbacks with at least 75 dropbacks, just in case anyone looks that up and says that I'm tripping. So I filtered it a little bit. Uh, he's, But uh, Baker's way ahead of second place, which is Sam Darnold at 49%. So it's almost 10% higher than the guy in second. So that's a lot. I was like, damn, how's that compared to Jared Goff back in the day? Well, let's look. So <laughs> 2017 to 2019, I didn't filter out the 2020 season when uh, Sean just punted Jared Goff to Detroit. Uh, <laughs> Jared led the league. Uh, that those three years at 58%, 57.9, which has catch my drift. So that led me to think, huh? All right, he's ditched this, the Sean McVay's ditched the Stafford thing. Is this basically just the Jared Goff offense, the Jared Goff offense that they're running uh, again, Jordan? Is it something a little different? The Jared Goff offense was accurate, actually. No, that, that that came off. It was okay. nice. That was very nicely done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it really is, especially right down to a running back, a lead, a single lead running back, not a committee or whatever the hell they think they were trying to do over the last three years, um, but a lead back who is carrying a heavy workload. You're running a lot of uh, diverse things within that um, construct. This is the Jared Goff offense. Offense. And it really is. I mean, you're not, it's not a fluke. They're, they're leaning back to some of the fundamentals and foundation points of the system with Matthew Stafford. You can make every throw. So Sean McFay is like, all right, so we're going to go ahead and make every throw. And of course the receiving core also has a lot to do with that and, and who's out and who's in and the way that some of that play action, the boot action alleviates the offensive line that is still embattled, although playing a lot better these last few weeks. And I think the two are correlated, um, you know, it, it's all kind of goes hand in hand, but it is absolutely 100% accurate that they are running concepts that I didn't see a lot of in 2021 on their Super Bowl when, when um, you know, Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford spread everything out and just dropped back every single time. I mean, Matthew Stafford, uh, up until like the middle of the year, was running the least amount of, of play action that Sean McVay had ever run, but they were, he was still getting explosive passing plays at the mm -hmm. highest rate in the league. So it was like, they don't need it as a crutch. And I almost felt like part of that was here I go. I'm going to be all galaxy brain here. <laughs> I feel like some of that was psychological. Cause I have talked to you guys about this before. Sean McVay is like such a hard on his sleeve play caller. So if he's overcorrecting, psychologically out of a situation that he was not a fan of being in by the time Jared left. And then he has a quarterback who can not only spread the ball out wide and cover all of the, the distance um, in that regard, some of the empty sets they were doing, but also can drop back and make every throw and do some of the trick shots and the arm angles and is processing. And Sean McVay is basically like, you know, uh, it's like his revenge bod, right? Like it was like, he was basically like, well, I can do this. So I will. And so I think that, um, that was a really interesting dynamic, but now they realize, I think one of the biggest lessons this team is going to take from this season, cause that stuff's working with Baker and Baker, you know, as, as I think you need so much context with where he's at right now in terms of his skill level, he also is not a quarterback who can make every throw the way that Matthew Stafford can. So I think that, that's where you're like, okay, so can't do that. So automatically not going to try. So now go back to the foundational fundamental principles, including leaning on the run game more, because you'll also notice that when some of it was due to injury, but you'll also notice that in 2021, the Rams would just go away from the run game like that. Like mm -hmm. didn't matter if it was working, didn't matter if it was hyper-efficient, that's it, done. Scripted drive, that's it. 
Matthew Stafford throwing it around the yard, but they can't do that with Baker Mayfield. So you have to be more balanced basically by desperation, which I think is so fascinating. The sport is so weird. And it's like, I don't, yeah, it's just, it's like the meme, like men would rather go back and rely on the, the, the 2017 Rams offense than go to therapy. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, all of those tweets are so funny. Like, you know, men, men just, it was, I think there was one reason was like men would just sit around and name random old tight ends or something like that. And it's right. like, yep, yep, yeah, yeah, they will. All right, go, go ahead, Chris. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I know Mike's going to get into the run game, but I'm also curious, you know, since the last time the Seahawks played the Rams, John Wofford was the backup quarterback that was filling in, and they were able to run the ball pretty effectively. All right. They, I think, had over 170 rushing yep. yards collectively with between running backs and quarterbacks. So it was just a, a good day for them on the ground. And now the Seahawks are going to be without starting middle linebacker Jordan Brooks, who unfortunately tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. Does that scream Sean McVay is going to go right into that playbook and try to bully the Seahawks up front and run the football just as effectively, if not more, even though Baker Mayfield did show against the Raiders that if you give him an opportunity, he can definitely make the throw. Yeah, I think that's got to be a huge part of the game plan. You've seen it over the last couple of weeks. And again, a lot of it too goes back to some of the defensive structures that now they're facing over and over and over again. You're seeing which contours you can um, sort of leverage. You can you see kind of the things that teams want to do but maybe can't because of personnel. The Rams are in the same boat, by the way, on the other side because Greg Gaines is limited. They don't have Sean Robinson. They don't have Aaron Donald. And Marquise Copeland is playing through a high ankle sprain. So they're now on a like four deep with their interior D line. So the chargers ran all over them. The first team that really ran all over the Rams this season. So it's kind of a a similar situation that they're finding themselves in. And I think that that's got to be such a huge part of the game plan. And again, not just because it's been working, Cam Akers has been outstanding, but like you said, due to Seattle's missing personnel and also, and they tried to uh, claim the same guy, Laurel Murchison, didn't they? Didn't they try to claim him off of waivers too? The D lineman. I thought I saw like a Phil Gates tweet about that. Probably they're in yeah. need of D line. Yeah, they've had they they had a couple guys hurt. Uh, Al Woods hurt his Achilles, and then Brian Monet blew his blew out his ACL. So yeah, they've been down. They've been down. Yeah. So possibly yeah. 
And in for the first time since Sean, the Sean McVay era began, the Rams are in prime position on the waiver wire. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it, it's it's uh, it's got to be a huge part of their game plan. It's got to set the foundation point for what they do in the passing game, because like I said, they are limited now in the passing game in terms of what they can do. But I also expect to see a lot of different concepts like they kind of went what it always tells me what Sean's going to do against a certain opponent because he goes away from certain things that are working. So like they used Ben Skronik as a fullback a lot against Arizona and it worked like crazy well. And then he went away from it for like three weeks and then he brought it out again against a team he really wanted to beat. And then, you know, it's just kind of, so stuff like that, like, I think you're going to see a lot of sweeps and, and Brandon Powell and some of those double back sets because mysteriously those have vanished over the last couple of weeks. And I think you're just going to see a lot of just misdirection and, and differentiation with what they're doing in the run game, uh, all behind Cam Akers. <laughs> Poor Brandon Powell. I think there was a snap against the Chargers where he has to, like, block Joey Bosa. Uh, Joey Bosa. Yeah, they asked him to do, out, like, man. the Robert Woods stuff, but he's about half of Robert Woods' size, but he has all of the tenacity. Like, this dude is awesome. He's one of my favorite players to talk to in the locker room because he is all gas, no breaks, like – it's crazy. And, and he like, he loves doing that stuff. And I'm kind of like, all right, well, cause he's their kick returner too. So he, uh, he, uh, he seems to appreciate contact. <laughs> yeah. With, I, you have to be that type of guy to even tell the coach you're going to even do that. Yeah. You know? Cause it's exactly. just, I, I don't have the clip right now to put it in the show for the YouTube, but yeah, it's basically that he, he's one-on-one with Joey Bosa and Joe, Joey just, just shoves him out the way and tackles Cam. I just felt, I was like, who is 19? Why is he blocking I see blocking Joey, but it's like, yeah, sometimes you got to do it. Like you said, in this scheme, it's usually Robert Woods or Cooper yeah. Cut making those those blocks. Uh, I want to shout out Cam Akers here, um, who I didn't think would even be on the team at this point in the season, like a month and a half ago. Uh, but since so from weeks one through 12, that's before they played the Seahawks. He was like 50th in rushing yards. He was actually dead last in yards per carry among qualifying running backs. Didn't have a lot of first down runs, only 15 of them. Like, he's just not a productive dude. Didn't see anyone to be there. So from the Seahawks game on, Cam's fourth in rushing yards. Uh, he's up to 4.9 yards per carry, which is that above league average. And now he has 21 first down carries, uh, again, from the Seahawks game on. Only Josh Jacobs and Christian McCaffrey have more in that span like he's just turned it up so the question jordan is what's gotten into this guy <laughs> it's uh it's good company to be in i think for sure um yeah so a few things like this has been kind of a complicated situation all year and i think a couple of things changed and one is they couldn't they tried to trade him and they couldn't and then he came back into the facility but as he did come back into the facility they also adjusted who was taking over sort of the lead in coaching the running backs and Thomas Brown, who is the assistant head coach who was um, coaching tight ends. Um, he moved back into sort of an expanded role uh, coaching the running backs. And it coincided too with Rashad samples, taking a job coaching receivers and coordinating the pass game at Arizona state. Shout out to the sun devils. We are so bad always. Um <laughs> But not now because I like the recruiting class thanks to Rashad Samples. Anyway, I digress. I'm not going to go on this tangent. But um, so when that happened, there was a lot of clarity, I think, uh, in terms of a veteran coach who Cam had had a lot of rapport with coming back into the fold. Also, Thomas Brown, um, how would I describe him? Unfuckwithable. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it, pardon my language, but like you don't – like you – when he coaches, he coaches players hard 
And um, he is very clear, he's very direct, and he's very concise in his direction. And I think that when I would talk to Cam and I would say, like, what's the biggest difference in how you're feeling now versus how you were feeling at the start of the season? He keeps saying the word clarity. There's more clarity. I have more clarity of what my role is. And part of that, so part of the situation too is he was in a committee. I mean, he comes back from an Achilles injury and he is rehabbing to get back on the field in a five month span, historic span of coming back from that Achilles. And Mm -hmm. he is of the sort of um, uh, stature in terms of like his experience and his ability, his potential to be a lead back, but he's sharing splitting carries with Daryl Henderson. And also the Rams are going away from the run game a lot and they have some, you know, injury catastrophe at offensive line and everything feels just really discombobulated. And so um, I think that having that sort of clarity of what his role was going to be, the Rams cut Daryl Henderson, having some of the clarity in that regard of what it was that was expected of him. And then um, not just asking during the week, but to, for him to do X, Y, and Z, but then actually doing it in a game um, instead of, Hey, here's the call sheet. And then we're not going to do call any of these runs. I think that that also has had an impact on him. I think that he also is a really, really competitive guy um, who is going to do whatever it takes to make it very clear that he, this is the player he always believed he could be. Thomas Brown. Why does that sound familiar? Is he the running backs coach in Miami? Uh, offensive coordinator at Miami and also uh, George, former Georgia running back. Ah, that, that means he coached Travis Homer and DJ Dallas. And uh, he had Sony Michelle and oh gosh, was it, is it Nick Chubb? Yeah, yeah, at Georgia. Yeah, at Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian Schottenheimer, former Seahawks OC, was on that staff as well, which is why Seahawks fans were so upset that he was able to be on that staff and not lobby for the Seahawks to take Chubb over Rashad Penny. Uh, mm. That yeah, that's part of the issue there. That is to say, though, does not mean Brian didn't try. He's not the GM, so he could he could have. That's a super tangent. As that name just sounded so familiar. I mean, I and went on a tangent about Arizona State's recruiting <laughs> class, so I think we're okay. We're this is safe space. <laughs> There's also a, a song by Fabulous called "Unfuckwittable." That's uh, when you said that, I was like, that's got to be a song, and it is. So I wasn't sure. I was like, I don't. I I always forget whether I can curse on this show or not. Oh, so I was we we had <laughs> Chris. Was she our first guest after Tashawn? Oh, I was because then you told yes. me to Sean, yeah, to Sean, because that was after the Iggy Sean Azalea thought we were at a cookout. Yeah. yeah, man, to, to, to Sean thought you treated our podcast like BT uncut, <laughs> <laughs> let it let it fly. It was fine. Mother F of this, yeah. Man, was, I was like, you know what, to Sean, I'm glad you feel comfortable. This is great. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he was drinking he too. Let it go. That no, was great, great show. But yeah, all right, what you got, Chris? A side note, also reminded me when we had LJ Collier on, dude was just going crazy. I was like, hey, man, uh, treat it like the radio, and he forgot all about that. But nonetheless, <laughs> I do want to I do want to flip to the defense because the Rams' defense, is it's been an interesting one, right? They When the Seahawks first played them, red zone defense was scary. And it showed in the game, although the Seahawks – were able to march down there and get basically the game-winning touchdown on that Rams defense. Since then, the Seahawks have kind of taken a step back. The last time they did score a touchdown was at the Rams in the fourth quarter, but that was kind of meaningless. The game was already out of hand, so the Ram the the Niners weren't. I would say the Niners just playing prevent. If like you score, you score, cool. We're gonna get the onside kick. It'll be go. It'll be ball game. It is what it is. So they've been struggling in the second half of scoring touchdowns. 
against the Chiefs, they didn't score any touchdowns. It was just field goals. So rough. Uh, they did score a touchdown later yeah, in the game in the fourth quarter, but yeah. they just struggled. So the Rams defense ranks outside the top 10 in goal-to-goal defense and outside the top 20 in the red zone efficiency since the loss to the Seahawks. Through the Seahawks game, they were among the best in the league in both categories. That's in the red zone and goal line. What has happened to this Rams defense? Obviously, Aaron Donald is not there, but hell, against that Seahawks game and that Seahawks game, they looked okay. So, what yeah. is what's going on on the D line? You think, or just the defense in general, that's allowing teams to just be more successful in the red zone? Yeah, I think um, what really helped them early in the year was how outstanding their their D line was playing against the run. Um, it kind of made it so that there was really only one way quarterbacks could beat them. And that was like, we talked about earlier with the really tiny pieces of underneath stuff and the quick game and, and all of that. And so when you only have one way to beat a team, then usually, um, it, it makes the, it makes your defense look pretty good in all phases, even though, um, it's really because there's some production imbalance, uh, for the positive in one phase versus others. Like their secondary has actually been pretty inconsistent all season. They hadn't taken the ball away. Um, they were consistently moving up and down between the, the teens and the early twenties and DVOA in terms of pass coverage. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're at the same time missing a couple of veterans here and there uh, every once in a while. And there wasn't like a consistency in snaps or anything like that. But then also um, onboarding two really young players, rookies, um, Darion Kendrick and then Kobe Durant. And that compounded with the fact that they haven't rushed the passer well all season. Ironically, they're rushing the passer at a higher rate right now than they were at the beginning of the year. Um, but a, a lot of it's because it's like, who the hell is that guy kind of blocking? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, like Michael Hoyt, I think deserves a, a role in the rotation at this point, but um it's basically been like very uh, unsure of what guys' patterns and tendencies are um, because they literally would not be playing in a normal year. So um, it's been it's been interesting to see. But to, to the point, I think the Russian coverage issues, they were going to compound at one point if you stopped having such consistency against the run and if you stopped having such consistency in terms of the concepts you're running um, uh, uh, in the front seven. And um, they did. And then now you've seen kind of where the holes are and where the inconsistencies are. And I think that's really shown up, especially in those compounded spaces over the last few weeks. What number is uh, Michael Hoyt? What 97. Yeah, and he's good. He's good. I, yeah. I saw him in the locker room the other day and um, they were he was getting himself fired up for the game. And uh, there was like a food truck outside and they were guys were asking him like what he was going to order. And he was like, whatever they eat in hell. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this guy's about to go rip someone's head off. And um, yeah, he's, he, uh, he's, an, he's been really fun to watch. He just started playing outside linebacker like five weeks ago in his entire NFL career. And he's 310 pounds and six two, but he also plays gunner on special teams because he's really, really fast. So what? Um, yeah. And, and they, they tried to kick a punt to him. One team tried to kick a punt to him this year as try to like mess up the Rams special teams. Little did they know that this dude is insanely fast. And so he returned the, they, so they kicked it. So, you know how like the protectors and everyone they're like lined up 
like 15 yards ahead of the return specialist on either side. Mm -hmm. So they kick it to him. So he's already got a 15 yard head start out of the end zone. And then he returns it 22 more yards. And like, it was like a runaway train. Like guys were just bouncing off of him and um, it was really funny, but yeah, so he's, he's been exciting. I think he deserves a spot in the rotation. Um, kind of like how, what they did with, uh, Morgan Fox a couple of years ago. But, um, other than that, there's some, there's some struggles for sure. Wow. Yeah. No, cause he's, he pops off on, on, on film too. I was, I was, I was like, what number is he? I was like, please, please, yeah. please be 97. 97. Yeah. yeah. He's doing good since the, so from the Seahawk game on, I'm pretty sure he wrecked the Seahawks in that Seahawk game too. Uh, from the Seahawk game on, looks like he's, 23rd in pressure rate. I filtered it a little bit, but for some reference, that's higher than Quinn and Williams, TJ Watt, Greg Russo, Chenna Nuosu, like Josh Sweat, Bradley Chubb. He's he's getting to the quarterback at a pretty good yeah. rate for a dude that big. Yeah. Uh, who, like you said, hasn't hasn't played good for him. And they're doubling now because there's no Aaron, right? So and there hasn't been since week 13. So now what they're doing is they're um, just assigning blockers differently. Now Leonard Floyd is acquiring a lot of blocking attention. Um, whereas Michael Hoyt's getting a lot of the ISO stuff. Um, and then they're not really having to double anyone in the interior because Greg Gaines is really good against the run, but he's not necessarily known as a pass rusher and he's been really their only guy left in there. So, um, and then he's got a shoulder injury now, so he's been limited. So, like, Michael Hoyt has been capitalizing on his opportunities as well, which I think is a sign of, of good growth from him. What you got, Chris? All right. Well, on that note, I do want to look at – you said the DBs have been struggling a little bit. The Seahawks haven't been – Yeah. Okay, I like that. Inconsistent. Something the Seahawks know quite a bit about, especially on offense. Mm-hmm. We know that you have the Seahawks winning 28-21, but I think the secondary is where it's probably going to make or break for this Rams team. And you look at what DK did not do last week. He had a rough game just all around. Sauce Gardner played pretty damn good. He made his case for being rookie of the year. How do you think Jalen Ramsey responds after obviously giving up that game-winning touchdown? I know Jalen probably hasn't been as vocal maybe just because of how the season has gone, or maybe he has been. Obviously, you are around that team a lot more, but – how do you think he's coming into this game? And how, how do you like that matchup between DK and Jalen? Yeah, I don't think any of these guys want to finish with a sour taste in their mouths, but I think that one's always going to be fun, right? No matter what, what happens, who wins, who loses. I like the other. So DK, um, in, let's see, what was it? I think it was 2020. That was the first time uh, it was really, really noticeable that teams were starting to motion receivers away from Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. And one of the first people he publicly called out for that was DK Metcalf uh, and not necessarily DK, but like the coaching staff for right. yeah. motioning him away uh, from sort of a one-on-one matchup. And it was really notable at the time because not only did it symbolize sort of the rise of uh, pre-snap motion and kind of its dominance at that point, but then also um, what the Rams were going to have to start doing with Jalen to make him a little bit more of an unavoidable player. Um, and get him back into those types of matchups when people would just, again, like hide their receivers. And that's what he would call it. He would say, oh, we're hiding. They're hiding the receivers from me. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's like kind of a shot to the pride, I think, if you're (laughs) you're like, damn, I didn't make the call. But like on our side, we're like, it's smart. (laughs) Like it's a smart thing to do. So um, what I think is interesting is watching what happens now, because that last game, they motioned DK away from Jalen again on one of the snaps and 
Jalen like waved at him or, or something, you know, like he said, come back over here or something yep. like that. And you could just tell because that's just, that's the game that they're in right now is like some of that pre-snap and at snap um, manipulation that they're doing. And I think that's, that's so much fun. It's adds such a, a fun layer to this game. And I think over the last few weeks, Jalen has really, um, I think he's made it through the sort of, and I don't even know if I'd call it a slump. He gave up touchdowns and key passing situations, which is not good. You cannot do that. But he also, like I said, he's, he's like a high volume snap player. So he's got to do five different jobs and was doing four of those five jobs really, really well. And then was also giving up touchdowns and key passing situations. So like, that's what people see. And that's what people remember. But now he's doing all five out of five of those jobs more uh, close to the level that I think we're, we're used to seeing. So it, I think it'll be really fun. That's all I need to hear, baby. That's, that's, <laughs> it's always that's fun. Excellent. That's the yeah. one thing I will always give you a prediction for is how much fun that will be. Because I can't be wrong. So, Chris, I have the clip in there that Jordan's talking about of DK. Can you add that to the to the stream? So people doing will... it right now. Yes. Let me please. just mute it. And here we go. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, look at Jalen. Oh, yeah. What's He's up? Like, like, Dude, where are you going? Where, where are you going? going? Buddy? Yeah. Oh, man, that's fun. I, I, dang, DK said something about that. He. I, Did I, you, I, do you remember when DK was telling him to follow him? He was like, come on. Yeah, that happened too. And so what I like to imagine is Jalen's just like, okay, have fun, be safe, have a nice time. Like, hi, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Because remember, Mike, we talked about this a few years ago. It was like, wow, the shit talk is really polite right now between – Jalen yeah from Jalen yeah. <laughs> yeah it's and it's picked up this rivalry like it's it's still the guys are real chippy I like the I can't remember what piece it was that you just wrote but you mentioned how Cam Akers is quite the shit talker oh and my that, gosh that is something that was related to me after the game that they beat the Rams it was like it was like Mike yo these guys was talking shit like we had to we had to stand up it was like it was Cam it was Bobby I was like Cam Akers was talking shit and I was like yeah I was like oh Cam like the linemen tell me, and I'm kind of working on like a piece on this, but I probably can't use like half the words that are said, but like <laughs> him, he like chats to himself between snaps. So like the Seahawks players maybe think that it's directed at them, but I, I could almost guarantee you that it's not like maybe in certain occasions, like with Nas Adderley last week, uh, when he had that really crazy block, uh, on, on him as a pancake block and, he told Adderley, you're too effing little. And so those situations, like, yes, he is directing them at you. (laughs) But he also sits next to the lineman on the bench and just, like, talks at himself. And it's just a lot of stuff, guys. Like, it is, (laughs) but it's in a good way. I say in a good way. It's just, like, um, the linemen all kind of laugh. And they're, like, not really sure if we could say what he was, what he's saying. But it's... um, you know, we love him for it and that kind of thing. And, and Andrew Whitworth mentioned this to me when Cam was a rookie, it'd be like, he'd be down under the pile and like one of the big line would sort of pick him up, you know, that, that like they do by the armpits or the shoulder pads mm-hmm. or whatever. And you could just see Cam talking the entire time as he's like being lifted into the air and the lineman loved it. So I think um, this will, like I said, I think this will be a fun one. I mean, it's it probably going to get pretty ugly uh, in spots because the Rams can't put cohesive games together, but like, oh, I think it'll be really fun. I love trash talk, man. I, I, I'm just a bit. A bit <laughs> I, we talked to DK. I forget, he got fined for headbutting Jalen. And we were asking him about like getting fined. I was like, hey, where does the money go? I knew where the money goes, but I was curious if DK knew where the money went. And he was basically like, it allegedly goes to charity. Uh, you can tell he was just like, yeah, I think it goes to the refs. 
I was like, dang, he's probably going to get fined. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he said that like on camera. He's like, yeah, I think he goes to the refs. So I was like, okay. Well, well, there's got another, another note in his locker. I'm yeah, sure. there's another yeah. fine for you, for, for you, buddy. But yeah, like, uh, he was like, yeah, no, nah, I, I kind of deserved that last one. I headbutted Jalen. It's like, okay, as long as you know that you headbutted uh, another player right in front of the ref, buddy, like you can't. You can't do that. I enjoy it, but you know you can't. You can't do that. And Chris, I feel like that's a perfect segue into our over under, uh, mm. if you have it. Uh, I do. All right. All right. So speaking of Jalen Ramsey and DK, Mike had this fabulous idea of, hey, Chris, how about unsportsmanlike penalties between those two? <laughs> we'll set it at you know one and a half. So Jordan, in this scenario. One and a half unsportsmanlike penalties between DK and Jalen. Are you going to take the over at one and a half? Or are you going to stick with the cautious take of, you know, it might get chippy, but they won't cross the line and go under? It's going to be combined. It's combined, you're saying? Yes, combined. Okay. I think over for sure. It's the last game of the year for the Rams. Like, (laughs) and the Seahawks, I mean, they're still fresh from like getting knocked out of, you know, some of these scenarios by the Rams a couple years back, you know, like I absolutely think it'll be the over. I mean, I don't encourage violence and I don't encourage, you know, whatever, but like, I think that if you, if a ref is standing in between them and some words are said, I think the flag will fly, you know, like I think the Rams will be real sensitive to it uh, or the, uh, the, the refs will be real sensitive to it. um, Especially because of the stakes for the Seahawks. And then also the nature of the way the season's gone for the Rams. It's like frustration venting time essentially. So (laughs) I feel like I'm, I really want the, the audio from the game afterwards. If Who can you ask to get that? There has to be someone you can go to and be like, yo, I'll slide you 50 bucks just to get the unedited version of Mic Me Up. Like, give me that. Yeah, well, right? Wouldn't you love if Mic'd Up wasn't edited? Like, wouldn't so you just I've, love that? I've thought about this. I'm not going to bribe them. But, you know. The, the <laughs> Say have, it on the record. Yeah, the, you're on the, the record. Yeah. have a contract with the local television state. I think the games all air on Fox, I want to say, the local Fox affiliate here. And they always mic up a player. So, like, I'm sure it's in some local Q13 Seattle archives, there is just raw footage of stuff on the bench, just tons of stuff. And I would I would pay a good amount of money to just have some low-level Q13 employee just <laughs> go ahead and send that in the big old Dropbox file to my email. If they I'm right there with you, man. I'd like to. Although I some do sort think, of anonymous account, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, th- yeah, it can't have, like, my last name on there or something like that. I'll make some <laughs> dummy account and, you know, put that in, you know, in the Dropbox link. Just sift through hours and hours of audio of just the Seahawks unfiltered. It's it, Someone has it. I, I know they don't delete it. Uh, <laughs> they save it for, like, special occasions and they release it when guys get in the Ring of Honor and stuff like that. So they – they have it. I'm very curious this week how many times Cabo will be mentioned. Because mm. the Rams are going regardless of what happens. <laughs> yeah. The Rams could also send the Seahawks to Cabo. With them. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, man, somebody's going to mention Cabo. I'm going to find a way to ask after the game. I, I feel need- like, but it's like Jamal was the, like, he was front and center of that. And so was Robert Woods. Mm-hmm. And neither of them, like, Jamal, like, neither of them are, are, uh, playing, they're making no, playing. No yeah. So, I don't know. It's might, it might be like Instagram. It might be like tough talk on Instagram. We'll see. There will be some of that. Although Quandre Diggs like elephant. He don't forget. Yeah, he was part of that. The 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 uh, the Cabo conversation uh, as well. That's true. That yeah. is true. He, he will not forget. He was someone they were talking trash to 
uh, on, uh, on week 13. <laughs> well, the good news for those Seahawks players who remember those things is they probably could not recognize any of the Rams <laughs> players they will be playing against at this point. Mm. So, yeah, also, I think it won't, there's like a, a, a shit ton of dudes in this game, maybe not in this particular game, but on the two teams represented by David Mulligetta of Athletes First. Yes, uh, there are. Yeah. Yeah. I think Cam Akers is a Mulligetta guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dylan Ramsey is a Mulligetta guy. Quandre Diggs is a Mulligetta guy. Uh, Tyler Lockett is Athletes First, though he's not Mulligetta. Um, I don't know who else I'm forgetting, but yeah, like, so these guys know each other yeah, uh, uh, as well. They'll rep by the same, same people, hang out in the off season, talk trash, hang out in Cabo. Uh, so yeah, the Cabo, will be, I can't wait. Send it, t- t- saying send their asses to Cabo is just great. I love Jalen Ramsey. He's, uh, he's so, <laughs> I, I, I love him. So I love him so much. I don't know. if Jordan, I see, He's been just as great. Like he's, you know, I, I rave about how he is and like, his press conferences, locker room, and all that stuff. He's been just as great. He's gone yeah. on some really epic rants this year about, uh, you know, fining for different uniform stuff and kind of like similar to what you're saying, like where does the money go and player safety and and all that stuff. He's been he's been pretty great. Yeah, well, fine. you've been great. How about that? You see how I did that? Look at that! So what a great host! Oh my god! Wait, 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 killing it. I'll get it. Okay, for the rollout. <laughs> Oh man, I, I, I really do feel bad for our people who listen just on audio, walking your dog or cleaning your house or whatever you're doing. You're missing it looks out. Right so now. cool. <laughs> Sunglasses <laughs> advertisement uh, we got right here. This is this is fantastic. I, can't, I know. I, I need a new, I need a new pair of aviators. You have to Whoever. bring them to the game with you. You have to. Always, even though it'll be raining. <laughs> oh dang it! Well, yeah, sunglasses <clears throat> rain. That 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 doesn't help. That's it's okay. Not. Chris would do it disrespect me again i will disappear from this you, we went to a club and you had shades on so i don't want to hear it that's true i did i don't know how i don't know how famous people do that i couldn't see shit like, you, know what's, really, you know what's crazy dark. is like i now that i'm wearing sunglasses inside i feel wealthier frankly hey <laughs> uh, jordan got a hundred dollar 150 dollars sitting on her face right now just to see uh, sunglasses inside is quite the flex like you do you know because it's sunglasses so it's like why do you there's no sun in here it's just yeah. This, a this ring light is my son, okay? <laughs> this ring light I got on me is bright as shit. So yeah, we can we can we can sign out of here. Thank you, Jordan, uh, for joining us and extending your streak as our number one Seahawks man to man podcast guest. We're very proud of that of that streak we got going. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to the Seahawks man to man podcast again, powered by the Athletic. Shout out to the company. I'm verified on Twitter. Thanks to Elon Musk. Uh, thank you, uh, Chris. What you got for us as we head out? I'm not verified. Don't think it'll ever happen. They don't know who I work for. It's all good. It's all love. <laughs> you guys can follow me on Twitter at CKID206 and that's CKID206. Below me, I got the legendary Jordan Rodriguez. Jordan, sign off. Hi, guys. Bye, guys. You can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at uh, Jordan Rodriguez. Always a blast talking to you guys. This is my favorite. I wish that both teams could be good at the same time so that we could talk like into January, into February. Alas, but I dream. Um, I, I definitely uh, hope you guys have me on in the offseason. We could talk about whatever uh, crazy, chaotic stuff the Rams have cooking up their sleeves next. Oh, yeah, we will. We're going to – our offseason should be fun. You'll, you'll, you're on our list. We're going to extend the streak. That's, Where am I on the list? Uh, that is uh, – uh, To be decided. <laughs> Just like Listen, cute- I don't care. I could be at the bottom as long as Matt Barrows is one of the <laughs> This also, by the way, for people listening, Matt Barrows is one of the loveliest people on this planet, <laughs> and I love him dearly. But I cannot lose the guest appearances on this show to him, by the way. 
All right, Barrows. We got a now. Now Matt's got to be rooting for the Seahawks to get the seven seed in the Niners' fall. To get into the <laughs> so that will be our our week our week uh, nineteen wild card matchup. But until then, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you guys uh, later this week with our week seventeen standout plays on Friday. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.